I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Gabagool, a Sopranos podcast. My name's Ben Vanell. I'm one of the hosts. Joining me in a little bit will be Adam Knox, the other host. But I wanted to jump in here with a quick intro to sort of set the ground rules of the show. If you don't know who we are, Adam and I are comedians and podcasters from Melbourne, Australia, and we've been working together for about six years now. Um, we were in a sketch group called Chimp Cop, um, but this entire time we've been doing a podcast called Filthy Casuals with Tommy Dasselow, um, and we talk about pop culture there, but mostly video games. And we also did a show that is most similar to what Gabagool is going to be, and that was called Arya Talking to Me. And that was a Game of Thrones review and recap podcast. And the way we approach that is going to be the same way we approach this, which is we're not going to spoil future episodes. We're not going to theorize. We basically watch the entire show week by week and review and recap each episode as if that's the one we've seen up to. And in Adam's case, he hasn't seen The Sopranos. So we will not be spoiling it. We'll be talking about it week by week. And we would love for you to come on that journey with us. Whether you're someone who has seen it or someone who hasn't, we think that the podcast is going to be really accessible to both of you, and we couldn't be more keen to dive into what is potentially the greatest TV show of all time. So with that in mind, we'd love you to get in touch with us. We're at Pod on Instagram and gabagoolboys at gmail.com, keeping in mind that we don't want to spoil the show. Episodes will come out every single Monday, so all you have to do is make sure you're up to date in watching the show by the time that pod comes out. I think that's all you need to know, so please enjoy the first episode of Gabagool. Hello, my name's Ben Vanell, and I'm joined by my friend, he's a comedian, he's a podcaster, uh, I'm, I'm also those things, um, to be clear, but uh, I'm joined by my friend who is those things too, Adam Knox. G'day, Adam. Salut. Salut. But uh, yeah, this is Gabagool. Uh, We're gabbing about The Sopranos, and um, yeah, if you've never heard anything that we've done before, where we live in Melbourne, we're comedians, currently we're in lockdown, but usually we're uh, watching TV shows and playing video games and talking about them on uh, various recordings. Yeah, it's a shame we haven't been able to do that during lockdown. (laughs) Those things, just really difficult to access at this current moment, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to watching The Sopranos, because my history with the show is that I watched maybe a season and a half years and years ago. So I have seen this episode at some point in the past. But other than that, I'm pretty, like, I know of it through its cultural stuff. So um, I kind of know Soprano stuff, but this will be pretty much a, a first time for me. Oh, I did not know that. I thought yeah. that you had watched it maybe a long time ago and uh, had sort of forgotten it a bit and was were coming back to it. But... um. Wow, that's okay. So I this uh, TV show came out uh, initially in 1999. That was the first season, the pilot and all that shit um, mm-hmm. on HBO. It is sort of regarded as being the first of the golden age of television shows. It heralded that new era. Um, 
But I was 12 in 1999. Um, you would have been 10, I think. I was 10. Yeah. Um, so obviously I didn't watch it then. Uh, I came to this show on DVD probably in my Damn. late teens. You really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man, fucking uh, big pussy. He's uh, he's a looker. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I, I watched this show super late. Um, and never finished it is the thing with me. I watched up until I think the fifth season and never watched the the final sort of half season maybe because it was like I think it did that classic uh, now classic move of splitting the final season in two. Right. Um. But yeah, I, I haven't watched it since since then. So I haven't watched it in about ten years, probably. Yeah, um, and same for me. Probably mid two thousands, I watched the first series, uh, the first season, maybe maybe some of the second. But yeah, mm. really, uh, I don't know why I dropped off because I was enjoying right. it. Yeah, yeah. And as with this time, the, the hardest thing about that would like watching that first episode and then not going into the second because that'll be another episode of this right. was difficult to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, what sort of aside from? I guess yeah. You your most most of your understanding of this show is through cultural osmosis. So what um, outside of this episode? Because we'll get into the episode specifically in a bit. What yeah. what was your sort of understanding of the show? What was your feeling about it? What was what you know? What what's what does the Sopranos mean to you? Uh, I knew it was that sort of uh, original. Um, one of these sort of what you'd call prestige drama shows mm-hmm. now. Um, at the time, I know my dad really liked it and I wasn't right. allowed to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Or I, I suppose by at the time, I mean in 2001 or whenever Australia would have gotten right. some of this show. Um, but really all I know is like New York, Salami, James Gandolfini's got a big head, big hands. <laughs> yep. Um, the intro song is really fucking good. Yes. Um, Spider is in Goodfellas. Lorraine Bracco is in Goodfellas. Mm. And yet Goodfellas is referenced yes. in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, like, I know of it just taking place in that world of what's considered to be good mob media. Right. And beyond that, like... I get not not really a ton, and that it was like the original like twist on the thing was that it's a mobster who is seeing a psychiatrist. Right. Yep. Yep. I think that's that's a good viewpoint to have then, because I suspect that a lot of people listening to this podcast will be in the same position. Like, it's it's such a long time ago now that this show was on TV and and mm. super super relevant, but. Everyone knows about it. Everyone, you know, this appears in so many best of best of all time lists and and things like mm. that. But uh, at this point, twenty years removed is is a, more of a cultural artifact than a show we all still like watch and talk about. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, obviously yeah, like I said, I've I've watched most of it. Uh, I loved it at the time. I I believe the reason I never finished it is because I couldn't afford the DVDs anymore. I just right. ran out of money. <laughs> um, but uh, look, let's just get stuck right into it. The first episode's really, really interesting. Um, so let's start talking about an episode called either Pilot or The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, is it? I, I, I guess it's called The Sopranos. Yeah. It seems to be the official name, but I've written down Pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm going to put The Sopranos in back brackets for my own record keeping. I've got a little book here. Yeah. It's going to be my notebook yep. that I'll, uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep all my notes in and then I'll, I'll sell it for charity after the enormous success of this podcast. Sure. Oh, then it's just going to be rating how hot you find all of the mobsters, right? That's, That's all, all the- I've written so far. Great. So far, Christopher, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony, number two. Okay. The guy who does that thing where his hands are always touching each other. <laughs> Paulie? You can't Paulie? remember Paulie's name? Do we do we know that he's Paulie yet, though? No, we that's don't. The thing. I, I don't know anyone's names. I don't know the name of him or the strip club owner. Mm-hmm. I know Big Pussy because Little Pussy is also mentioned. Yes. I know Uncle June or mm-hmm. Uncle, Uncle Junior. Junior. Yep. And uh, the mother. <laughs> and she Edie has Falco. A name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the mother as in Tony's mother. Sorry, yes. Tony's mum. Um, as well, and I know, I know Edie Falco's real life name. Right. Let's uh, let's also set the sort of standard for how we do these episodes. Um, familiar people familiar with Aria talking to me will know that we essentially review these um, without necessarily all the context of the f- the following episodes. Obviously, for no. you that'll be the case just because it has to be. But we're not going to be yeah looking down the line at story beats that are to come and and sort of looking at the foreshadowing we're not going to be talking about stuff outside of the show culturally really um yeah. in terms of like the reception or stuff like that we like to look at this as a show as as a as a piece of, of media the writing the acting and the story within the episodes it's a water cooler where it played this week and we're talking yes. about it and people keep coming up to the water cooler and being like, they've been talking for like an hour. What the fuck yeah. is going How can they possibly have that much of this show? Are they looking at a recap? But it's kind, of, it's kind of funny to listen to. So I guess I'll just sort of loiter near the water cooler <laughs> for a little bit. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it seems like they're just sort of like, oh, yeah, season three, episode four, not much to say. (laughs) The start of the conversation seemed like they hadn't been talking about it at all for maybe years. I'd never had a conversation before. Who gets around a water cooler and starts setting up the terms? Why did he promise not to do an accent? We're at work. He shouldn't be doing accents. That's not appropriate here. Um, But, yeah, we're just going to sort of uh, run through this episode beat by beat and... and, um, and react to it and talk about it. So yeah, yeah, this episode starts with Tony in the psychiatrist's office. He's does it start in the waiting room? He's got the first shot of him is him between two legs of uh, a statue of a naked woman. That's right. Which I I ain't no cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I ain't no director. And this is a separate voice. This <laughs> I was isn't going like- to say this is yeah. This no, is this man is- who isn't a cinematographer. Yeah, this is my famous <laughs> character. Guy who lists jobs he doesn't do. Mm. Look, I ain't a butcher, okay? Mm. But it seems to me that they are saying he is currently uh, imprisoned or sort of stuck underneath the uh, the trap of the women in his life. Interesting. Interesting. They are, they are surrounding him and his problems seem to stem from women at this point. Right. Um, which I think is true of one one woman. Maybe I don't. Maybe for him, his th- perception is that it's multiple. Because he feels it's his mother. Mm-hmm. It's this psychiatrist. That's pretty true. soon. That's true. Um, I think that he is very. He, you know, he's he's clearly nervous about doing this. He wouldn't say that he's nervous, but he doesn't want to do it. We're yep. talking about you know these tough guys in a time when, like the way they talk about Prozac and stuff in this episode, we're yeah. still in the point where. Going to see a shrink is like, hey, what are you in the loony bin? You know, right. like, and if, he, as he underlines later on, like, 
it's not just that it's the fact that he's <laughs> he's involved in the the mafia uh yeah. a, a, you know an organization built on killing people who don't seem like they're strong enough to be in this organization Exactly. He says to his wife later on, like, mm. if the wrong person finds out I'm doing this, I get a steel bo- steel jacketed Prozac right to the back of the head. Mm-hmm. I fucking mm-hmm. love that. The, the writing in this whole episode, and oh, I'm yeah. assuming the show going forward, boy, oh boy, it's good. And you just compare it to what was happening at the time on TV, and you can really see how this show stood out and kind of kicked off uh, a way of thinking about TV that, that changed it. Absolutely. And I think um, it's worth noting that the writing in this episode is... Probably it's it's weakest, and that makes sense. It's the pilot, you know, they're figuring right. stuff out. But um, I think there are a few lines in there that stand out uh, because they call attention to themselves. They're a bit written. Yes. Um, and I also felt that about um, James Gandolfini's performance. He's obviously Tony Soprano. He's the lead. He's one of the greatest actors of all time. But I think there are still moments in this pilot where he seems more James Gandolfini than Tony Soprano. There was a line I wrote down... Um, that was sort of emblematic of it to me. Um, I think he's talking about his mother maybe saying like she told my girl cousins I'd never be a varsity athlete. And frankly, that was a tremendous blow to my self-esteem. That's in the voiceover, but that is not... Right. That doesn't really ring true as a line that, that Tony Soprano would say. It's a little bit more of Gandolfini than Tony Soprano, but it's a good line. Um, I think It's he- just, yeah, one of those ones where it's it hasn't quite meshed together into being this cohesive thing yet. No, I think he's maybe sort of playing along with the with the idea of doing the psychiatry stuff. Like mm. he, there's a few times when he kind of like tries to move it forward quicker. He's like, "Oh, my mother, that's a connection with the ducks, my family." Right. Okay, good, we're done here. All right, sure. let's get out of here. But um, I also think that I'm giving it a bit of credit that like there are a few clunky lines mm. um, at certain points. There are ones that I really like that like him saying that he look. I did a semester and a half at university, right? Went to, like that sort of stuff where. That's very revelatory of his personality. Like that says a lot about him, right? (laughs) Totally. Like he, he, there's plenty of stuff like that, of that quick character building that they do uh, with these characters who they put no effort into introducing in anything other than a naturalistic way. They just, Mm. they all show up. Nobody's walking up and going like, oh, hey, it's Big Pussy, the other guy who works with us. Hey, look at that. It's the guy who owns a strip club and he's sort of in with us, but he's like sort of maybe on the side a little bit. Hey, it's my friend from uh, school. Yeah, like maybe they do right. actually with the with the guy, but and I think you, they do a little bit with Christopher, it. but they do it in a you know a, a very smart way, which the, it frames the entire episode of Tony genuinely talking about his life to this to this therapist. So, yeah, right. so it's it starts with him meeting the therapist, being very re- uh, resistant to it, but um, yeah, using that as a device to introduce us to his family because um, he's uh, he's collapsed is the reason right. he's gone there and he's going back and telling her the story of that day and like what happened for yep. what she later is like, you had a panic attack, dude. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, uh, so yeah, the family's kind of all milling around in the morning, right? Yep. Yes. Ha- yeah. Having a, having, having a bit of a family morning. <laughs> yeah. Meadows there with her friend. I feel like is there cause they're sort of talking about going to Aspen and, Carmella yeah. is like, as long as you do your fucking homework. And Meadow's like, yeah. I'm going to do my homework. Um, yeah, she's a real fucking teenager. She is Absolutely. Like, oh, man. I wanted, like, I, 
I remember watching this at the start and sort of being like, okay, I can kind of get where she's coming from when I was a teenager. <laughs> right. And I'm like, how dare you talk to your fucking parents that way? I know, I know. That's exactly how I felt too. Like, just do, just do your homework. You know, yeah. like your mum's reaching out to you here. She wants to go to the shops. Yeah, that's oh, not much. Give yeah. her a fucking day. You'll regret it later on when she yep. has to become a nurse. Yes. To, to pay your bills, <laughs> change your name to Jackie. I know, I know. And nurses at this point in time, oh boy, on the front lines. It's a tough, yeah. it's a very you tough You should be gig. applauding your mother. Yeah. Um, but I also um, felt that. I felt the sort of, um, the genuine pain of, of Carmela and Tony to a lesser extent of like mm. this, my daughter is retreating from me, is pulling away despite me trying to have given her everything I could possibly give her. Yeah, because they, we should mention as well, the intro is really cool. It just starts with that intro and that song and it just sets yeah. it up so well. Um, I wrote down, it's almost like the city is a character. <laughs> um, and also the binge can fuck off the skip intro button after a while. Oh, it's there for the I entire know. intro. I know. I went to just pause it. I went to queue it up and then pause it to like get a cuppa and it just skipped the intro. I was like, I want to watch that. It's a great intro. I'm going to watch um, it every week, baby. Yeah, it's a great so, song. Yeah, they're like... Having a having a chat and like Tony's voiceover with this morning talking to to Dr. Melfi, who's the psychiatrist, he's kind of saying like, hey, I've got these problems, blah, 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 blah. Like it's money, it's family, I'm stressed mm. about this. And they're really hammering home the point of how Tony's problems here re- are representative of America as a whole. Like even yes. if you can't relate to this gangster, maybe you can relate to, you know, he picks up a newspaper and it's got like Clinton does some bullshit or whatever on the front. It's Clinton to to scale back Medicare, which ironically right. is being threatened in Australia now. But yeah, it's that. It is the um, sort of disintegration of what Tony sees as traditional family values. Right. You know, hard it's work like, and being a strong, silent, masculine type. Um, yeah. He's talking about Gary Cooper later on. Right. He's like, well, what the fuck happened to Gary Cooper? You know, and it's like, well, he's still acting in the 90s. I, think. <laughs> I can't remember. He was in uh, Cape Fear. But more to the point, it is it is um, the stuff that Tony isn't saying, right? It's like, you yeah. know, the um, fragmentation of community. It's this, the stuff he can't articulate, like um, industry being broken down and, and, and taken offshore and, you know, yeah. things that are... Um, arguably good or bad but certainly changing the dynamic of modern life kids don't want to stick to the one job these days like he talks about how kids these days they're all taking the plea bargains because they they can't do the time in prison and it's like yeah nobody wants to have a long career with the one company now they want to move around they want to which i think was still a thing back then Uh, yeah uh, melfi specifically says well i think many americans feel that way which is one of the kind of clunky bits of but yeah so he's Doing that, he's getting the paper. He's looking at the ducks in his pond. Mm. In his pool, I mean. Mm-hmm. The ducks would think of it as a pond. They wouldn't Probably, know what yeah. a pool is. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, um, then he's reading a book about birds. This guy loves birds. He has become particularly attached to the concept of birds. And yeah. at this point in time, it just seems like... I mean, it just seems like a dad thing. <laughs> it struck 100%. me how re- ridiculously relatable this has become as I've gotten older and my dad has gotten older. Like, okay, you saw a, a, a bridge. That's cool. And like dad's just been like <laughs> yeah. sending me photos of bridges. Like, how cool is this bridge? Like, Do you know right, how hard dad. they have to work to build a bridge? <laughs> right. Yeah. They get um, really into like, damn, look at the shit that these birds are doing. They're learning how to fly. There's little ducklings. This is great. I'm going to walk in the pool with my robe on. Yep. Yep. And uh, he's telling Melfi about how 
his job is in as a waste management consultant. Yes. She very quickly picks up what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. She drops the like, I understand. I have to. Uh, there's patient, doctor patient confidentiality. However, if a crime may be committed, at, you know, in the near future due to things that I hear here, I got to tell the authorities. Um, she, she qualifies it though, right? She's like, technically, I should call right. the authorities. She's She's telling him what she needs to, but also being like, look, don't worry about me, but. Maybe just do a little bit of the bullshit, like oh, yeah, uh, glaze over it. That we both know what you're talking about, but and he does that where he's talking mm. about. Okay, I ran into this guy who owed me money, and we had coffee, and then it cuts to him dropping his coffee because they are getting out of the car to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, um, yeah. Tony chases him down <laughs> and runs him over. This is a guy who we find out works for an, a insurance company. Yeah. Um, what's his name? It is uh, Mahaffey. Uh, That's right. Yeah. So Mahaffey gets he's a he's a compulsive gambler, and obviously, yeah, he's in debt to the mob to Tony, who runs uh, the North Jersey Mafia, and yeah, they they break his leg with a car, beat the shit out of him, and tell him, you know, give us our money. Yeah, because him and Christopher are driving there, and Christopher's like, oh, I don't know, I felt sick this, but and like Tony obviously mm. thinks, ah, oh, new generation, they're fucking lazy, blah blah blah. Yep. And he's worried about his car having a dent in it when this guy's like got his leg broken and screaming <laughs> on the ground. Yeah. This guy Mahaffey. Did you know Mahaffey? This is a little bit of trivia about him. Yeah. He was named in the writing process. He was named because uh, Jerry Lewis came into the room mm-hmm. and they were trying to think of the name and Jerry Lewis went, Mahaffey! <laughs> and that's how, he got, that's how he got named. A lot of people don't wow, know. Wow, that. that's, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that written down anywhere. So, yeah, uh, that's interesting. the other character, Hyvan Glaivy. <laughs> <laughs> who comes up later? Um, nice lady, uh, as well. Yeah, the um, <laughs> so we I go back to Jerry the uh, impression to help the therapist's that. office, and we have um, the nutty professor there talking to Tony, and uh, yeah. she says, "No, so um, so yeah, we've named a couple of characters here. Uh, Doctor Melfi is the therapist, played by Lorraine Bracco from Goodfellas. You mentioned that at yep. the start. Um, we've got uh, Carmela, played by Edie Falco, Christopher Moltisanti is Tony's nephew, and he's played by Michael Imperioli. Christopher is-, is a great character." Yeah, I, I like him already. He's like the young guy. Obviously, Tony's like um, protege sort right. of thing. You get mm-hmm. a scene with them later at uh, a barbecue where I guess we'll get to that when we get to that. But because Tony's the- own son is t- way too young to be involved yet, um, Anthony yeah. Junior is actually yeah he's another character who's appeared um, by this point in the episode. I think the funniest character in this episode. He has some really good lines. Just some his- like dumb childish reactions. Yeah, it's his thirteenth birthday today. So they're right. going to have a birthday dinner for him later that night in the sort of flashback that we're in. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Tony and uh, Chris go and beat up this dude. Then they're sitting at, like, this deli later on, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. clearly where they run their operations out of. He's telling Melfi, like, uh, I'm at the office or whatever. Right. They ask for a plate of gabagool, or uh, <laughs> the guy, the strip club guy comes over and he's like, hey, my wife sends me down here to get the gabagool. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna make note of every time they say the word "gabagool" in this show. All right, I suspect it might be fewer than um, <laughs> we think, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how many times it is. We're up to one. We're up to. We're I one for one per episode at this point. I think they might have said it twice during that conversation. I'm just gonna count the number of episodes "gabagool" appears. Okay. In. Okay. All right. Done. Good. So Good "gabagool" metric. count currently one episode. All right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, what else is happening around this time? They're talking about, they're actually talking about a waste management deal. Like I forget, yeah. 
I mean, you know, it's a front, but they still do business in this industry. But it's all the way the mob kind of does business where it's like, you know, you do your business, but pay us a cut on the side. So we technically run this, but it just means that we're in the area. And if you're doing business in this area, we're going to, you know, do something for you. And they've got trucks and right. they've got unions and they've got all that stuff. But there's like a um, Czechoslovakian outfit mm. who are trying to muscle in and trying to undercut them. Uh, they're talking about that and they're talking about what's his name with the strip club is like, hey, I heard a rumor. Your uncle is going to whack a guy in your friend's uh, restaurant. Yes. So this, the, the strip club, the Butter Bing, great name. Uh, the owner, I believe, is Silvio, Silvio Dante, played okay. by, oh, what's his name? Um, 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 Stevie Van Zant. Great name. Okay. Both character and real name, great names. Yeah, I don't mind them. Um, but yeah, he owns the butter being. I've got no You're right. objections. <laughs> okay. Uh, he he yeah he mentions that Uncle Junior, who is from the previous generation, he's Tony's father's brother. So Tony's dad used to run things before he died. Now yes. Tony runs things, and you find out later on that Uncle Junior's always had a chip on his shoulder about that because first it mm. was his older brother who was running it, then his younger brother, which is Tony's dad, and he just kind of got skipped over, and now it's Tony, right. and he's like, "Well, fuck you, I, I'm still here." Mm. Yeah, and uh, he's going to whack little pussy. Who? Yeah. I don't. I don't know if we see little pussy. I you don't... get a little clip of him on the news later on. Oh right. I don't I, remember yeah. what his involvement is in the whole situation, other than being a victim of uh, Uncle Junior's whacking. Yeah, I can't remember what it is that that there's. I don't know why there's beef, mm. deli meat between them, mm-hmm. but uh, there, there's something going on. It yeah, big pussy. I mean, um, uh, Uncle Uncle June, Uncle Junior, he's gonna kill him in this restaurant because big little pussy feels safe there, yes. and so it's Tony's childhood friend's restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Artie Buko. So many good Artie names Buko. in this show. Artie Buko. Yeah. Who's just a normal guy. He's, um, yeah, he's, he's friends with Tony from, from back in the day. He's uh, a restaurant owner. He's Legitimate got a, businessman. Absolutely. And a lovely guy. He has such a like genuine, uh, exuberant presence in this episode. Yeah. Um, and just very naive. Um, absolutely. Because his wife knows Tony up and down. She's oh, yes. like, this dude, don't get fucking, don't take cruise tickets from this dude. Because Tony doesn't yeah. like that his restaurant's going to get affected by this killing, by uh, this guy getting wet there, which is a term for (laughs) getting killed that I hadn't, that I don't remember hearing. And Mm. uh, fuck, it's good. It's very good. But yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. So Tony, just as a a friend, he doesn't want this business to be affected by someone being murdered there because as they all rightly think, um, yeah, I think Christopher puts a point on it later on, like people might stop coming to your restaurant if someone gets shot in the head there. Exactly. So uh, he sort of starts trying to figure out how he can get uh, Artie Buko out of this situation. He asks right. Uncle Junior not to do it there. Yep. Uncle Junior's like, fuck you, I do what I want. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that that uh, sort of path is uh, leading to a dead end. No, negotiations break down very quickly in that. Yeah. Yeah. So while he's sort of doing all this stuff, he's got lots of things going on. He goes around to his mother's house as well to deliver a uh, stereo to her that he thinks she might want to see. Yes, yes, that's right. This is the first time we meet Olivia Soprano. She's living at home still. Her her partner, Tony's dad, has died and she kind of seems 
I don't know, like not out of it, but a little not not doing great living by no. herself. Classic shut in sort yeah. of sort of thing where she's yep. like, I won't answer the phone at night and like very, very um Oh yeah, she's like locks the it's like she you know the door's locked. She won't let Tony in initially. She like yeah. makes sure that he locks it after he comes in. Yeah, a little bit paranoid. Anxious, paranoid, like a little does seem a little um spacey or something, not quite right. to the point of like, you know, that you gotta worry too much, but she's she's You always gotta worry a little bit when someone seems spacey. I always say that. You yeah. know? That we house of cards could collapse quickly. <laughs> uh, so she like she was the one who married into the family. Right. So she's Tony's mum and you know the the sort of sister-in-law of the of Uncle Junior and that sort of stuff and she has clearly been impacted by her husband's death. Yes. Like Tony later on is like at the time she didn't fucking like him and now that he's dead he's a saint. What the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. But she, whether, you know, sincerely or not, is uh, taking things hard. She doesn't want to be put in a nursing home. Yeah. There's, there's something about her where she's just straight away, the actor, really fucking good. Because yeah. she's like that pretend weak, manipulative type of mother mm-hmm. that just like, I know exactly this persona that they're portraying here. Right. Like like you said before, they, they use some lines to develop character really quickly and this one scene, it's a great scene and you get everything you need to know from her. She, like, right. you know, Tony's like, you love music, you listen to music all the time, I bought you this CD player, that everything's on CD now and she's like, no, I don't want it, I don't have a good reason but, you know, I'm not going to accept it because I want to keep you on the back foot and always fighting for my love. I'm not going to give you an right. easy, you know, way through like this situation. Showed- she shows up to their family barbecue at the end of the episode and first thing she's like, you're using mesquite on there? It makes the sausages yeah. taste weird. Fucking what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like just a, a real... And is the main problem that he actually sort of identifies and speaks to Melfi about. Right. She's the first thing where he's like, yeah, this is a big deal for me. Right, right, right. Because, yeah, the first time he collapses, I think it's just... It's at the barbecue, but it's before... She's not there or anything, right? It's just... No, there's two barbecues because they try yeah. to have the first one and it's uh, the, the kid's birthday and pretty early on in it, the kid uh, the kid says something about like, so what, we're not going to have any fucking... And then uh, oh, some yes. type of food. Uh, ZD. Like, <laughs> yeah, Z- yeah, well, yeah, not Me- fucking ZD. Meadow comes out and is like, mom's not coming, or grandma's not coming. And yeah, Anthony's response is, so what, no fucking ZD? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> this um, kid's funny. He's very yeah, funny. Tony's so, like cooking away. He's just like Co- th- twirling the snags, right? Just yeah. rotating the sausages for our American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That common Australian phrase, twirling the snags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, uh. Uh, yeah he's, he's there and then he's looking at the ducks and the ducks start to fly away. They've been trying to learn how to fly and they manage to do it. Right. And it sends him into a spiral and as he grabs his heart and he falls over. He <laughs> leaves the, the like <laughs> yes. jar of or the, 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 the tin of whatever it's called, fire. Lighter fluid, right? Isn't it? Lighter it's just, fluid. Yeah. Leaves that on the barbecue and it explodes. Yep. And all the family rush over to Tony, except for <laughs> Silvio, who for some reason it is <laughs> so funny the way he does it. I agree. He walks over with the most concerned face and then starts fire extinguishing the barbecue. 
just ignores time. There's just something really <laughs> funny about the way that happens. He really gives it a honk too. It's just like absolute <laughs> overkill. Huge, yeah. like just fills the screen with liquid nitrogen. It's yeah, agreed. Re- very funny. I, I I can't explain to you why, but fuck, yeah. it's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um. So yeah, he yeah, faints. He- that's that's his first um incident. That's the reason he's in therapy, right? Because the. The fainting later on is after he's already spoken to Melfi a couple of times. Right, because he faints again yeah. is the thing. He talks to Melfi and he's like, you know what, fuck this. Something something triggers him to leave the uh, the the session there. I can't remember what it is. He he oh she she talks about that he's depressed. Yes. And it's the it's yeah. the the bringing up depression. He's not into it. He gets up totally. and leaves. And successfully finding the, the the pressure point of the ducks being like, so tell me more about the ducks. And yeah. he's like, no, fuck it. You know, and he yeah. feels vulnerable. That's the reason he storms out. She gets to the crux of the issue, or at least one of the issues, and he, he can't exactly. take it. Yeah. And so he, he's off, uh, and they're looking at this nursing home that he says isn't a nursing home for his mother. Mm-hmm. The family's kind of walking around there. The, the son is like, this place is actually pretty good. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. should think about this, Grandma. I was like, what the yeah. fuck do you know? <laughs> <laughs> they got classical book readings, free food. Yeah. Um, uh, there are lots of old ladies here. You're an old lady. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Again, kind of funny. Um, but she sees that it's like there's a hospital ward part of you, it. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, nah, fuck this. I don't want to go here. Fuck you. Take me home. And it sets Tony off again. He faints again. And that triggers the second visit to Melfi. Yeah, it's interesting that I guess we'll get to it later. But the ducks being the first trigger, um, they're sort of uh, it's an opposite emotional issue for him because this second one, the mum, is like his a f- member of his family being so overbearing that he can't handle it, and then yeah. the ducks is is the opposite. But I guess yeah, we'll come back to that when he has that revelation too. Because it's um it's multiple things at once, right? It's like yeah. he wants to fly away from elements of his family, right? He's worried about what he's doing will mean that his family disappears. The mob is a family and he's right. worried he can't keep control of that. It's it's ev- it's everything in his life is represented by these ducks. Absolutely. And like we talked about some of the lines being a bit on the nose, but th- figuring out this concept and having it mean so many different things in a way that's like very understandable is is like it's pretty genius for the first episode of a show. Exactly. It's a real simple metaphor that does it all mm. and um I think that's as good as enjoying a nice sunset. Hmm? <laughs> that's a simile, but yeah. <laughs> hey, a simile, a simile, you, you know, simmer down. How about that? I, okay. I can do, yeah. I can do writing. <laughs> this is, um, yeah, this is on par with the first episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> um, but so she gives him Prozac this time. Exactly. He goes back because of that second fainting spell. He, he Up until this point, he's like, I, I, uh, maybe I need this, but I can't do it. Um, he gives in at this point. He's like, if I can't, I, c- I can't keep collapsing. That's worse than someone finding out I need to go to therapy. You know, he's, exactly. It's going to have the same people, result. People know about the first one. He's right. had to have an MRI that him and yeah. his wife are sort of fighting during. And she's like, you're cheating on me all the time. She's just accepted that. She like, right. says these things about his mistresses. Well, and that's, I think, uh, the the most interesting about this show is that it explores... Or well, it makes mob tropes um, into real people with with complex issues and and depth. Right. And Carmela is the mob wife. You know, she's she is Lorraine Bracco's character in in Goodfellas. She's yeah um, annoyed and at her wits end because her husband is in the mafia and fucks around on her all the time and is 
a liar and she yeah. basically lays that out in that scene but you know this is a very long show she's not just that and, and we get to see more depth to her character too yeah because she's got like a priest who tony doesn't like who's kind of coming around in the house and she's like whatever that spiritual shit that's nothing like your girls mm. and like you you see here i think because he takes some of the prozac on a golf course he's talking about what to do with this um with with all of the situations going on i can't remember what they're talking about but they're talking about some shit yeah maybe that's when he talks to junior or something i can't um uh yeah maybe but they they talk about the the check situation they talk about yeah little pussy maybe that is when they talked about uh, talk to uncle junior actually yeah because there's a couple other guys who show up later when they're at the strip club right they're not there yet let's get back to that gabagool but so she he gets the prozac and um Stops sort of attending their things. You see her go out and she's like, Mr. Soprano, and he's not there. But he's taking the Prozac and he sees her at um, a restaurant. Yes. He's there with his mistress and she's there with someone whose name is Niels. Yeah. <laughs> like a plural version of Neil. And I absolutely didn't understand or have ever heard that name before. I think I've heard it once uh, and it's like a Scandinavian person who was called like N-I-L-S. Um, right. So I didn't, ex- I, I don't know. I think it's just a guy okay, called Neil with an S on the end, maybe. That makes more sense. But he, he's, uh, this guy's just like a classic New York, New Jersey rich guy. Yeah, and they see each other. I think this might be slightly out of order, but like, he's like, hey, those uh, decorating tips really worked for me, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, get out of here. Clearly doesn't want to talk to him. She's like, can <laughs> yeah. we go eat somewhere else? But then Tony's like, "Get a, give her a table. And they were waiting for a long time. And the guy's like, holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy that he did that. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that happens uh, uh, maybe a bit later because I wrote Neil's down way later. But um, <laughs> in the meantime... Well, yeah, be- because Chris Christopher has, has, like, tried to take the initiative and solve the, the check... The check um, problem. The, the problem, yeah, like you said before, they're trying to muscle in on um, just doing actual waste management. They're trying to strike a deal... For the, for the area that is undercutting um, Tony and his guys. And so Christopher is like, I'll, I'll figure this out, you know, I'll, I'll handle it. And his way of handling it is setting up a fake drug deal with one of the guys, one of the, the sons, I guess. Yeah. Um, Emil, who Chris keeps mispronouncing as... E- email. E- e- email? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, which is, is uh, really good. good. Which is good stuff. Man, I love all the 90s shit, because like when um, the, 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 the wife and the priest... Uh, they're like watching oh, laser discs together yes. as well at one point. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And I just like my notes aren't that helpful because I wrote down laser discs are sick and kneels. And like <laughs> I kind of remember what scenes they're from, but I need to change this up for future episodes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I that's a fun little scene with the priest. It's it it sort of feels a bit like a non sequitur, but we do get an insight into Carmela's personal life and, and her emotional state. And that's when Meadow is like. She snuck out and That's right. uh, little Tony Jr.'s like locked the window on it. So she gets banned yep. from doing this stuff and that sends her into her spiral later on. But like mm. the the laser disc thing, they bring up Goodfellas. Yes. I can't get over that. Yes, Do you reckon they, Dr. Yeah. Melfi gets people telling her like, hey, you look like Lorraine Bracco? <laughs> yeah. That, she Probably. would have to. It's a, this is an Ocean's 12 situation. This is a right. Julia Roberts playing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It's funny, well, it then, is good though. I like that little bit of, because they mention, she t- says specifically Godfather 2 at the start. Yeah. And the priest is like, oh, Tony prefers 2. And she's like, yeah, you know, he likes the bit where Vito goes back to Sicily. It's like, oh, you know, Tony is, 
uh, step separated from this, you know, picture version of of the mafia, but he has this nostalgia through this medium for Italy yeah. and for Sicily, for this idea of the family and the mafia and the, he's the whole a thing. real nostalgic classical guy. Everything he's doing is like, why isn't it like the old days? Yeah, at the start, he's like, I feel like I'm a I. Like, it's obviously best to get into something on the ground floor, and I definitely didn't do that. But now I'm starting to think I'm here at the very end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Meadow gets caught, which leads to later on, like, the sort of disagreement between her and her mother where she's really rude to her while she's loading up a JPEG over the course of a four-minute scene <laughs> on her old computer. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, the, just the family unit isn't working together. they got fucking teenagers. Right. It's only going to get worse for a bit. Yep. Um, and so the mother and the daughter aren't really getting along. Like, Meadow has a netball game that... Uh, what's what's her name? Carmela? Carmela isn't yeah. at because she doesn't think Meadow will want her there and they're having sort of a disagreement and not seeing each eye to eye. And Tony is there, but he's so distracted as they walk out because he's got this new Prozac-y way of looking at life. He thinks he's cured. Well, he and also, th- I think we skipped over the thing that aligned with the Prozac thing is he figured out this situation with this insurance guy who owes the money. He posed right. this really good, very clever solution. Um, yeah. He's meeting with this guy, Hesh, who was in a, a sort of... He's kind of like the Robert Duvall character in The Godfather. He's a non-Italian it's like business associate, a right-hand yeah. man of the family. He worked for Tony's dad. Um, and he is the one who I believe is owed money by this insurance guy. And so they're having fifty thousand, I think. Yeah, yeah, they're having a sit down in Silvio's strip club, and I believe it's then Tony just comes up with it, the the idea of like we set up a bunch of fake um, clients, businesses, whatever, and and make false insurance claims yeah. through your company and or he's through, like- this, through this insurance company. I just paid $3,000 or whatever for that MRI. It was easy as piss. Like, you just write these. They'll look legitimate. We give him the option to either pay us the money now, which he doesn't have, do this for us, which he'll have to, because the other option is we murder him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, A real yeah, Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> they have that discussion at, the, um, at that strip club where, again, another thing for TV at the time, you're seeing boobs in this show. Yeah. Yeah, true. This is the start of HBO's Get a Load of We're Allowed to Show Tits. Like, you yep. see them there, and we're not that I'm going to record these as often as I record <laughs> Gabagool, but I, I wanted to bring this scene up because you see with, like, Tony's mistress, they're, like, hanging out on a boat, and he's like, don't touch that hat, that's JFK's hat. <laughs> like, oh, fuck yeah. do you mean you own JFK's hat? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what's, the, what's the conspiracy theory that the mafia killed JFK? Oh, maybe, maybe they took yeah, the hat was... when they killed him. Maybe that's what it <laughs> Why is. Why was he wearing a little... I don't remember wearing a sailor hat in the Zapruder <laughs> film. I know you said you won't record the tits as uh, as you will be recording the Gubba Ghouls, but whenever I see tits, I say Gubba Ghouls! So for me, <laughs> it's going to be sort of one for one. Um, but yeah, so there was that scene, and Tony is back on top of the world. He feels like right. he has solved things. Because he's got an idea for uh, Artie Bucco too. He's going to give him cruise tickets, get him out of the place so that the restaurant has to shut down in the period of time that Uncle Junior was going to kill him. But Artie Bucco's wife is like, don't take these fucking tickets. Where do you think Tony Soprano got this from? Well, he tell you. He's like, oh, a dentist gave them to me. A (laughs) dentist? You think a dentist gave him a two-week cruise? You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, I love this guy. kids are doing their homework at the restaurant. 
Oh yeah, that was a bit weird. But I guess you know they—they they, it's their restaurant. They live there half the time. Yeah. He he says, but Tony, he's a labor leader. He yeah. just thinks of him as like you know a union head, which was the the whole thing. The, that was the issue that the the corruption of the union and the mob, you know, became intertwined. But I just yeah. loved him. He's a labor leader. Yeah, um, he really is is sucking on the Tony Soprano bottle, getting yeah. everything that Tony wants to feed him. Which, but so that I think doesn't end up. Is, it's it's worth pointing out that he is clearly entranced by Tony's position in the world. Um, yeah, the, the the romance of of the mafia of of crime, and I feel like that's un- bubbling under the surface with um, Doctor Melfi. You know the way she plays into like you know you can't tell me certain things, but I still want to hear you talk about them. And betrays a little bit of that as well. The, the the she like is with this fucking loser Neils and then Tony Soprano fixes the problems that they were having at the restaurant like that right. like she you can see that there is something she does find appealing about this totally yes when he doesn't show up that time she's clearly disappointed not just yeah. as a doctor as someone who wants to hear about this stuff right so he's like um um there was another bit that we skipped over as well so yeah they 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 intimidate. Um, Hassafras, what was his name? Mahaffey. <laughs> Mahaffey, yes. Uh, and make him agree to it, like, <laughs> by threatening to throw him off a bridge, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, um, but also, so the scene we kind of skipped over was Chris bringing that um, guy from the Czech crime group into the deli and shooting him there. Right. Um, there's, like, photos up on the wall of, like, Al Capone and um, Dean Martin and all these people that I think Chris... Jimmy Cagney, I think, as well, maybe, is one of them, yeah. I kind of liked... Again, it's like like the statue, it's it's kind of... Um, you, maybe you could say it's on the nose, but he's showing all these black and white, unrealistic photos of people that Chris thinks he is or aspires to be, and then these big three-dimensional real-life pig heads that are just like, oh, maybe that's kind of what you're actually... Uh, right. And I think the end point is a little on the nose, but it's set up, you know, like they walk into a deli and it's an Italian yeah. deli. The wall is covered with black and white photos of famous Italians. Like it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I agree. I like that. It was a little bit more um, directed, right? It was a little, uh, yeah. it's not just like normal TV show, you know, framing and editing and stuff. It's a bit more right. purposeful. Yeah, totally. Like with the statue, I like those things. They're a little yeah. maybe like uh, obvious, but everything's always going to be obvious if you're looking for it to do a show about totally. it later on. Like we're specifically looking for this stuff. So, um, yeah, that that happens, and then they like a disposing of the body, and Big Pussy, who's like yep. a, a tough guy in the family. He's like, this is a stupid way of doing it. We shouldn't put it here where they're going to find it and piss them off. How about we just dispose of the body, and then they're thinking, where's the Where's the kid? Maybe we'll get him back if we play ball. Right. So this guy's clearly been around for a while. It's, he knows yeah, how to yeah. do this. And the, they're so cold about this murder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a few um, henchmen, I guess what you would call them. Yeah. Um, Paulie, who isn't, I don't yeah, believe his name, Silvio and then Big Pussy, who come across as sort of bumbling silly uncles for the most part of this episode. But yeah, yeah you're right. It's It's... It's clearly a guy who's murdered a lot of people, knows how to play this game, and yeah, comes across as an experienced, like, smarter guy in the situation. It's it's like this is the show, this is the world, but this is the kind of um, mentor that Christopher has. 
and it shows those those two halves of each of these people where they're you know hey they're all right. friends they're hanging around they're having an espresso they're talking right and then later on they're throwing this body away and it's just as easy for them right to do yes. that yep. like uh, Silvio gets enlisted by Tony to blow up <laughs> Artie Bucco's restaurant and so yeah. you've seen him be like the strip club manager and he's like please the drinks are in the house hey look mm-hmm. at me I'm I'm walking around. I'm in my slick suit. What? What am I? Sure, he's hanging around with the kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's a fan. Like they're all family men. But um, yeah, this is the uh, this is the fourth solution to the Artie, or this is the other solution to the Artie Buko problem. He yeah. gives back the tickets because his wife tells him not to take them, and so uh, yeah, we get another moment of Tony proving <laughs> the reason why he is, you know, the head of a criminal enterprise. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy, and he'll do what it takes. Right, you know, so he's not afraid to to fucking blow up a building if it'll be an end to his mean, a means to his end. Totally, and it's like sure, like um, the fa- the restaurant is insured; they'll yeah. be able to rebuild. This is not, uh, this is not all bad for Artie, but it's bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it does totally benefit Tony, which is interesting because. Like we said earlier, this is motivated by Tony wanting to protect Artie, you know, his friend. He wants to protect him from having a guy shot in the head in his restaurant. And right. it gets to the point through a series of, you know, um, human, <laughs> uh, just like genuine human issues, people pushing back and, and having problems that can't be solved by shooting someone in the head. It, it ends up at this, this point. And it almost seems like, because to do something that harsh when you're trying to help a friend, it comes across to me as the type of person who, like, they say they want to protect their family, but you know when you hear someone say that and it comes across like you want to protect your assets. Right. You see these people as your um, a a mark on your pride if something happens to them. So it it feels that way more than looking out for a friend. Because they're talking about it at the barbecue and he's crying about it and they're like, hey, look, whatever, you know, it's better than what could have happened. He's like, what do you mean what could have happened? And Christopher's like, I don't know, maybe everyone (laughs) stops coming to your restaurant because something happens there. Anyway, see you later. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. That's a great, he's such a, it's a really good performance, this Christopher, you know, the entire character. It's a guy who's like, he wants to say that thing because he wants to, he wants everyone to know that he's he knows you know what is gonna what right. happen. He wants to be right. He wants to, people to know. And then he's like, ah, fucking, I shouldn't have said that. And he yeah. knows that he shouldn't have said that as well. And he, yeah, because um, he's I like think, a bit of a hothead. He's like, he, yeah. Well, before he kills that guy, he's like punching the air to some rock song. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Yeah, but he's definitely. But then he like Tony comes over to him. He's like, what the fuck's your problem? And he's like, I would have liked to thank you for having dealt with that situation. I know I yeah. maybe didn't do it the way you wanted, but I I dealt with it and I wanted mm. a little thank you. And Tony's like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm 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 wrong here. Yeah, it's interesting because that um, moment of clarity, you know, that moment of growth for Tony is obvious. Mm. Like you know, like and and you see it coming through the whole episode. It it it's, it makes sense that by that point he's like, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to give Christopher the credit he deserves. While at the same time, I, I think, yeah, you, you touched on it. And I hadn't really thought about it in that way um, until just now. The Artie Bucco stuff is not about Tony being nice to his friend. It's about Tony asserting dominance over his uncle who keeps trying to be the top dog. Exactly. And that's that's all it is. And it's explicitly that for his uncle. Like his uncle yes. is just saying that it's that, but Tony's got this sort of fake... Yeah. lying manipulative way of pretending as though he's being 
you know, this uh, Artie Bucco's in his corner, like being right. his savior. But, you know, it's manipulative. And in the same way that you see his mother being mm-hmm. during this episode, because like the only t- he he says to his wife that they have dinner, him and his wife at the same place where he went with his mistress. And the guy does a big show being like, Tony, we haven't seen you in forever. Hello. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so he admits to her, like, I've been going to see a therapist. I'm on this Prozac stuff. Uh, you know, don't fucking tell anyone. You're the only person in the world I'm honest with. And she's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. No, you aren't. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that you're on the Prozac. But so they've all kind of, they're all on the same page. They, they do seem like a team, those two, Tony and, uh, yeah. and Carmela. And, yes. They... Like Carmela knows where all the hidden money is. She opens that Campbell's soup mm-hmm. to to take Meadow shopping, but Meadow doesn't want to because she's thought it was stupid since she was eight. Apparently, mm-hmm. well, like, you didn't fucking say it was stupid last year, but now that you've got to. <laughs> you know, but all right, yeah. Um, but so she she kind of seems to be together with him. Like she knows all the shit that he does, but she's still there, and she seems maybe frustrated by it, but that she's seeing it through. Yes, she's not opting out. That's for sure. Yeah, um, and she likes him as a person. Like clearly, they get along. They have rapport. They have chemistry. She's there at the MRI place. She's holding his yeah. hand till the last second before he goes in. Like they're yeah. having a hard time, but she really does seem to be his wife. <laughs> yes, that yes, is my. Is. <laughs> <laughs> but someone so the exact opposite of that is his mm. mother, who you get this scene yeah. of Uncle Junior driving her to the new the the reorganized birthday party. And Uncle Junior's kind of complaining to her, like, oh, they're kids these days, and they're both sort of agreeing that things aren't the way they used to be. And he's starting to push it a little bit further. And she's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, well, we got to, because, like, Tony, you know, oh, I don't know if he's capable of running these things. It's getting to the point where, you know, something might have to be done about it. And she doesn't say anything. She keeps quiet as they're driving yeah. in this car. Yeah. And her brother-in-law has basically said, I might kill your son. Yeah, yep. Um, and she accepts that. Oh boy, uh, it's um, it's fucked up. Yeah, it it is interesting that they both keep referring back to it's Johnny, right? John John Soprano, Johnny Soprano is Tony's His dad. dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it? I think maybe something like that. I think I think so. Um, that that's that sounds right to me. They. Yeah, they're. I guess both of them are stuck in a different time, and Tony mm. might be the casualty of that. Which is, yeah, doubly interesting because Tony mentions earlier in the episode, like his mum never liked his dad. Right. Like she treated him like shit. Uh, I guess is the thing that we kind of come to understand. Like Tony, I believe, yeah, says that she, she, she wore he was him a down strong guy, and yeah, yeah, she wore him down. Which yeah. Yeah, you can see why. Fucking and hell. he resents her for it, clearly. Like, he, yeah. that's the one thing when he's talking to um, Melfi that he's, like, properly opening up about. It's like, my right. fucking mother is uh, a real piece of shit. Yeah. And she seems like it. <laughs> yep. Yes, she does. She's really... <laughs> yeah. She's really got a streak of cruelty visible about her, which is great acting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're, they're, everything's sort of all wrapped up for that uh, at the at the party. They all kind of walk off, and the camera pans back over to uh, the empty pool. Yeah, which you know, the entire time I was watching this, um, 
I just kept thinking that this could have been a maybe a short film. You get rid of some of the side plots, but this mm. could be its own encapsulated little story. You know, this vulnerable mob guy opening up about the things that have caused him to become, you know, a, a, a panic attack, suffering, depressed mess. Right. And coming to terms with it and having a nice little metaphor that sort of wraps the whole thing together. I Yeah. I, hmm. I, I liked it. I'm surprised that uh, anyone got annoyed uh, at the end of the series where, you know, I mean, like, whatever. But the fact that this pans over to an empty pool at the end of the episode, I think tells you what kind of show this is going to be. Is the point. A hundred percent. Because, like, everything's been... All his family is there together. They're all going and eating whatever the fucking ZD. And the very last thing is, like, yeah, they haven't actually solved anything. Right. This pool is empty. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, like, those ducks, they're gone. They're the gone. The pool is empty. The, um, and uh, just like he very clearly says it throughout the whole episode, but it's like times aren't how they were and I'm someone who maybe can't exist in the current time. And mm. like there's the Rico Act and all of that. There's external things that are making it happen. But he says himself, like it can't all be put down to the Justice Department. People are right. changing. Things are Things are more complicated now. And yeah, it is a relatable thing outside of it being the mob. Like, again, mm. they, they explicitly say this, but he's a father who has problems with his kids and his wife and his job. Like, he's Homer fucking Simpson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, he, he is. He's that wisecracking son. Yeah. That know-it-all daughter who wants to go skiing. I don't know, yeah. Um, but I think that's that's why this is a great show and why it, it continues to be one. But it also has some sick genre stuff, some really good plots, some really interesting other characters that come in later. Um, fuck, I'm excited to, to yeah, I, like you said before, I, you know, I just want to roll through to the next one. But yeah, um, this being basically fresh for me too, um, I'm really excited to to watch the rest of it to get to the point where like, because there's that like one kind of actiony scene where they chase down the guy, and that's mm-hmm. a little dodgy looking. That's yeah, a little. Sure. You can see the difference between what movies and TV were capable of back then. Yep. I'm excited to see whether or not that aspect of things changes, and whether mm-hmm. the sort of more traditional mob movie aspects increase. But all of the interpersonal stuff, all of the characters, mm. the acting is fantastic. I'm I'm really excited to to watch the rest of this good show. The one <laughs> note, yes, that I had down that we didn't get to is that um, at one point Tony Soprano calls Hannibal Lecter Hannibal Lecture. And again, <laughs> yeah. the way that just that for character building is is really good. Yeah, I um I, I echo everything you just said. I also am excited to see because I reckon from memory they figure out a lot of stuff tonally um by the second episode. Like this I I remember this pilot being particularly sort of like piloty. Um right. and I from memory, it, it does step up a lot more in the second episode, and I'm yeah, I'm just so excited to to see that. It makes sense too because like this is a pretty um, risky thing for the time, mm. you know. Mm. I guess Sex and the City had been around for a while, and people also say that Sex and the City was kind of kicked off a, but that is a more traditional right. episode by episode, and uh, more. Closer to a sitcom, yes, you know, totally. uh, like an existing sort of format of television. Yes. Whereas this, like the if you think about crime shows, 
before this. Yeah. A, they were genu- generally viewed from the perspective of the cop. Yes. And yep. B, they were that sort of procedural, uh, isolated episode, uh, formulaic kind of thing and weren't getting to the sort of... Uh, they, it, it was about heroes versus villains sure. rather than... Or it was solving. Characters. It was it was solving crime. It was solving mysteries, solving crimes. I think Homicide, Life on the Street was one of the early ones where it was like gritty, but yeah, still procedural. I'm trying to figure out when Oz came out. Um, the Wire is like 2005 or something, right? That's another show o- that I haven't I think seen. I think 02. 02. So it's after right. this. Um, it's as good, I reckon. I, I love it. It's it's a show I should probably rewatch as well. But I hey, uh, yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a year or two. Why uh, are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. That's it. That's easy. <laughs> Oz, why can't I? It's so it's such a vague term. I can't um, Google it properly. Oz show. Here we go. Um, it's premiered in ninety uh, seven. Okay, so Oz. Okay. Oz. Yeah. Um, uh, look, in terms first, of. Um, uh, uh, like the history of TV and stuff. Again, we were twelve and ten around this time, so of course we're going to yeah. be uh, missing a whole lot of context. Mm. But from today, looking back, that is the impression that you get about the significance yeah. of this show. Yes, totally. And I'm excited to keep watching it. All right. Well, uh, I guess let's do that in a week's yeah. time. <laughs> Hopefully, people want us to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. There's, like I said at the start, so this is a show that for a lot of people our age and younger would have fallen, you know, between the cracks of of being a relevant show, but but hearing that it's a fantastic mm. one, so um, yeah, I'm sure and a lot of people hear, will be coming along on the journey. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like if you hear from Ari, you're talking to me before it, then you kind of mm. know the format of this. We'll probably do just the one episode a week. I with think this? so. Yeah, there's no rush with, with Aria. We were trying to match up with the final season premiering, but this is uh, a little more leisurely. I think. Yeah, there's 86 yeah. episodes of this show, so if you're right. keen to watch Sopranos over the next kind of year and a half, right? That's probably how it'll pan out for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, we got some other ideas for sort of uh, supplementary content if the show yeah. sort of kicks off, but um, all of that in time, we're still on the first episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed this, um, tell your friends about it. Uh, it's a brand new show, so yeah, we need uh, support. Rate and review it on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Share it around. Talk about it. Um, post about it. Instagram yeah. it. All that shit. Come um, have your little Sopranos book club every week with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Well, thanks for listening to episode one of Gabagool, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you later.